<laughs> I was gonna let it roll until the end. Welcome back, everyone. Episode twenty-three of the Chiss Ascendancy. Today we're talking about Django Fett, Django Unchained, but the D is, is silent because it's non-existent. <laughs> Whenever I found out that Django Unchained was a movie, I was like, "This is copyright infringement." Um, before we get started, though, today I almost got in a fight with Adam. <laughs> At the gas station because uh, he was going in there to get drinks and I had to get gas. So I popped in to get some Reese's sticks because they're delicious. Anyways, I'm in line and I'm like, oh my god, I forgot a mask. Because in Houston, they're doing this trial run, eight days of masks to see if it... Eight crazy nights to see if we can kill the coronavirus, I guess. Anyways, I forgot my mask in the car. So I'm turning around from getting our my snacky snack... And I'm walking towards the checkout, and uh, some guy with a hood on and and a mask, like, taps my thigh. And I was like, my first thing I noticed was, oh, I'm not wearing a mask. And I was like, who does this guy think he is tapping me to tell me to put my mask on? And then I look up, and it's Adam. So, I was Got like... Got him! Yeah, I, I was so upset for about half a second, and I was like, oh, it's my friend. So anyways, that was today. So we're talking about Django Fett, um, but there was a little bit of newsy news um, before we jump into that. So um, there's, I don't know if you've read it or have heard about it, but there was a book that came out about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, called Myths and Fables, I want to say. Um, yeah, Star Wars Myths and Fables. And it was a short story of like basically ancient lore, and it's kind of made to think it's like star wars mythology it's like star wars mythology and it's like yeah it's very much you know yeah we believe in zeus but maybe all these stories aren't real that kind of thing mm -hmm. and so it's it's myths and fables obviously it's just yeah. it's pretty self-explanatory but it's a really cool book um and so uh they're coming out with like pretty much a purely dark side version of that um it's called dark legends and um uh, I found a post on Instagram on, um, I guess I'll give credit to the account, even though you're probably not listening to us, uh, Palpatine's underscore empire uh, posted this picture, uh, and it says, the upcoming book Dark Legends may be introducing a new Sith into Star Wars canon. And so, uh, basically, uh, yes, yes, yes. yeah, basically there's a, there's a Sith, and he's got like a, he's on, he looks like he's on Exegol from... The Emperor's Throne Room from the Rise of Skywalker, mm -hmm. and uh, there's the there's the throne there that Palpatine's sitting on, and there's this character that he's you can't tell if it's a human or whatever he's got a cloak on, and there's another character next to him that's very much like a almost like a golem looking character, yeah. um, kind of like werewolf. Yeah, it's like a more humanoid looking werewolf. A werewolf from uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, and so it says uh, maybe introducing a new Sith. And, uh, and then it says, Star Wars Dark Legends, the follow-up to the acclaimed Star Wars Myths and Fables, is an upcoming canon short story collection. It will feature seven new fables set in the Star Wars universe, focusing on all things dark and spooky. Mm. Um, maybe they'll throw some Plagueis in there and placate us. Or maybe we can find out That'd a little bit nice. more about Snoke or something. I don't know. It's, it's usually old school stuff, so maybe not. But 
Um, it says paintings drawn. Bane would be cool. He'd be really ticked off though when he has that samurai outfit on. It says paintings drawn, which is ironic. Paintings drawn uh, by the illustrator Grant Griffin were revealed on Friday. One of which included a Sith on Exegol with a never-before-seen curved lightsaber. How does that work? I don't know, because to me it's a laser sword. You know what I mean? Like, literally, that's what Luke calls in episode 8. He's like, you want me to run in there with a laser sword? And a laser only goes one way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, it says, here's what Griffin had to say about the character's interesting weapon. The curved saber was added to the painting later, and if I am not mistaken, it is specific to a particular Sith. So it seems perhaps uh, this Sith indeed is a new character, as currently no one in canon is known to have used one of those sabers. It will be revealed when the book releases on July 28th. So we're only about a month away from from the dark side version of Myths and Fables, so I'm super excited about it. Um, so uh, it's a really cool uh, concept. And in, in Legends, there was, um, there was all kinds of different light weapons, though. Like, they've kind of, in canon, it's been very, like, kept to lightsabers or a double blade or whatever of course you have kylo ren's that has like the vents on the side because of the cracked kyber crystal um but in legends there was a character named lumaya who um was basically a dark side um she was kind of like an acolyte to darth vader and she actually fell in love she was she kind of spied on the Rebe uh, rebel alliance and she actually fell in love with luke skywalker but then when they fa he found out that she was a dark sider they fought and he like gravely injured her. They thought that she died and she survived with like all kinds of cybernetic enhancements and stuff like that. But she had a light whip. Yeah. A light whip was not like super common, but more common in electric yeah. material. I know, uh, uh, what's the chick from Path of Destruction? Uh, Zana? No, 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 no. Zana had, uh, like, double a, blade. Yeah, shorter double blade. So it wasn't like too long for her height because she was short. It was the one that Bane fell in love with initially. She was a Jedi. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, she, she had a light. She whip. fought with a light whip. Yeah, it's a weird. I don't know. I guess a light whip makes more sense to me than a curved blade because it's just kind of. Oh, and you know what? Uh, the slavers, like the Zygerian slavers, I don't think it was a light whip per se because it wouldn't cut through stuff but it was like a, a plasma whip of sorts yeah yeah it's kind of weird I want to know the science part of my mind wants to know how that works you know what I mean yeah. in a weird way though a whip almost makes more sense because you could just have a you could have a material that is conducive specifically with the slavers from Clone Wars you could have a material that's like it can be electrically charged, so you would have basically a regular whip, and then you would send the you would turn the charge on. When you say conducive, do you mean conductive? Yes. Okay. I guess conducive works too in a way, um, but yeah, it would be something that you could you could right. easily send a charge along. Yeah, I think like the Zygerians, it's more like if you're a Marvel fan, Omega Red, he has like these uh, long whip-like things that come out of his appendages, and yeah. And, uh, a lightning travels along them. But, um, yeah, I encourage, if you're listening to this, look up the book Dark Legends, because you can see it's kind of like a Grim Reaper-looking thing. But, when that comes out, we can talk all about it. It's short stories, so I'm sure we'll blow through them. But today... Today it's all about the most 
prevalent father in all of the Star Wars universe. A week removed from Father's Day weekend. The father of 200,000 and a million more on the way. Yeah. All the cards, dude. Mad Mandalorian. Even if they all just gave him one silver dollar, he would have $200,000 with a million more well on the way. theories about the man who cuts our lawn. <laughs> Dude, we need to we need to just get him to cut it on Thursdays. He does the whole block. That's the problem. Oh, he's like a city guy? I don't think he's a city guy. I think he's just got a racket going on in this neighborhood because he <laughs> sucks at mowing the lawn. Dude, he really does suck. He's old. He's middle-aged. He's not like ancient. Bro, he's old. He's pretty old. He's not like the grandfather on Coco. He's not like shaking out of his wheelchair. He could, he's a capable <laughs> human being. That's funny. Uh, so today we're talking about Django Fett and specifically his backstory from Legends. Um, and so, uh, as you guys know, Boba Fett is my favorite character. And so, isn't it interesting that Boba Fett's not super high on your list? He's number one on mine. But Thrawn is like, he's the he's the wheat among the chaff that that connects us. You know what I mean? Yeah, but what does that have to do with anything? Well, I was thinking about I was thinking about how Boba Fett's my favorite character, and if I was doing a podcast by myself, I'd probably find some snazzy way to put him somewhere in the title of the of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But between the two of us, the Chist ascendancy was like our clear cut favorite choice. Yeah. Even though no one knows we exist. <laughs> if you're listening out there, <laughs> just, just put us on repeat in your sleep. <laughs> we need bots. <laughs> YouTube oh bots. God. Hey, if you can, you, to, to quote a, like a guilt trip from like a pastor or whatever, it's like if you can use bots to get yourself a nice pair of shoes, you can use bots to wake you up in the morning and get to church. I heard that recently from someone. I can't remember where I heard that from. Anyways, so um, we are kind of digging into Jango Fett's backstory. And, um, you know, in the Clone Wars, there's uh, that moment where Obi-Wan goes to Mandalore and he's like, hey, I'm looking for a Mandalorian who might be against the Republic or who might do this or that or whatever. And Prime Minister Almec, the guy that's got the neck of Melman from Madagascar. Um, Did you ever notice that? He has purple eyes. I did not notice that. But he does have sick armor, we found out. His armor from is season cool. seven. Too bad he's not really capable hand to hand combatant. Who did he end up dying? Who killed him? I don't remember, but I remember he went out. Gar Saxon? Maybe. Yeah, but Gar Saxon's got like freaking maul horns on his helmet. Hey, they're gonna make a black series of that figure. Oh mama. Where is Darth where is where is the Black Series Jar Jar? I'm gonna say that every time we bring up Black Series until it happens. You're the Hasbro. one who brings up back Black Series. Nobody else talks about it in this room. You're just bringing it up so you can talk about Jar Jar. No, I'm I just convinced. No, it was a line of thought. It was Gar Saxon, 
Black Gar Series Saxon to Jar Jar? Yeah, because Black a, Series, Black Series that's a is a really thin line of thought. Jar Jar is Ooh. needed. He's necessary. A little Newton Ball's line of thought right there. We need a Jar Jar Black Series figure. It's it's plain as day. We need a Jar Jar way more than we needed like a Commander Bly. We needed a Commander Bly arc way more than we needed another Jar Jar arc in the Clone Wars, but here we are. Yeah, with but too many Jar Jar arcs. Are there really though? Any of them is too many. No, I enjoyed them. They, you're gonna tell me that you actually enjoyed the series. All things Star Wars, I love. I tolerated those at best. I watched them for the continuity. Even Dude, it you was pretty easily pass them up and not miss a single thing. I did like the uh, Indiana Jones Mace Windu Jar Jar episode where Mace Windu's like walking through this Temple of Doom, no problem, and Jar Jar is falling into every booby trap. Somehow lives. Anyways, um. So we our source material for this week is Django Fett Open Seasons. Um, it's a comic series from way back in the day, actually. Yeah, it's got a pretty cool layout. It's very similar to uh, maybe not similar, but the parallels can be seen uh, between the way that it's laid out and the way that Avatar: The Last Airbender is laid out. Oh, I see where what you're saying. It's like a four-part series. Yeah, and it's I think what it starts in spring, summer, winter, fall, something like that. What's yeah. the first one? Is uh, it fall? Summer. Summer. Starts in summer. Summer, spring. Winter, <laughs> spring, summer, and fall. Anyway, so it has seasons that uh, that are the names of It's basically of, of the, the seasons of his life. Yeah, if but they're are. also seasons. Yes. Um, so this one was written by Hayden Blackman, pencil art by Ramon Box, inks by Raul Fernandez, and colors by Brad Anderson. And um, this actually, this first edition, yes it is, just so you know, I am I'm pretty excited. That's my Jeff Goldblum. Um, but yeah, this... You can do better than that. I can, I can. I'll get to it. But this was, um, this was... What if they gotten Jeff Goldblum to do Boba Fett or Jango Fett? You know what? I'll take it. A Jeff Goldblum Jango Fett would have been hilarious. Dude, Jeff Goldblum... Uh, He's like, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I was... <laughs> Whenever he's like, when he says, uh, you must be very proud, and he'll go, they'll, uh, they'll, I think you'll find, they'll do their job. You don't like it. Dude, I love Jeff Goldblum. All right, Boba Fett, we're going to Houston, Houston, <laughs> pack your bags. Dude, I can watch... The World According to Jeff Goldblum, nonstop on Disney+. Plus. I watched, like, the first three episodes, and I was like, oh, all right, that's, uh, that's enough of that. No, dude, it's awesome. I love, he asked, like, these really interesting questions. He's like, so... I like me. how indirectly he's sourcing his information. What do you mean? Like, I don't know, he'll just, like, go to really obscure avenues of research to that are, like, kind of related to the topic, but not really related to the topic. I mean, I guess they are, but... I like, like how he was in the denim episode, and he went like mine digging for like scraps of denim that were left behind. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. there are other things that he could have done to research denim, but he went to find like the oldest pieces of denim. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's I thought that was interesting. It's it's very Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, that's true. It's true to himself, Jeff. So yeah, this came out. Uh, this collection. So they were individual comics, but this collection. Um, I guess what would you call that? Uh, what do you call it whenever they put all the comics together and they give you one book? Uh, an omnibus? 
That's yes, a collection of a bunch of different comic series. But that's not what I'm thinking of. It's not a trade paperback. I don't know. Collection, I don't know. There's a specific word I'm blanking out on, but this one came out in 2002. So this is 18 years old, guys. So, now I feel old as death. But um, Jango Fett Open Seasons, um, you start in summer. So it's really cool in the in the collection, you've got the, um, for the video viewers at home, I'm holding up the books so you can see. Uh, but as you go in, you see the cool... It's audio viewers. We love you. No, I'm saying, yeah, for... If you're a video, I guess, yeah, for the audio viewers, I'm holding it up for the video viewers is what I meant. Um, but I'm holding, you can see the the cover that would have been on the actual comic book itself. Yeah. Uh, pretty dope. And so... I think my favorite thing, maybe not like my favorite thing, because there was a, a lot of cool stuff. Uh -huh. um, but I think something that I really appreciated was the changing of Jingo's armors. Throughout the seasons? In, in each one, because the first... He's he's a kid. He doesn't really have armor yet. And then the second one, you see him. He's kind of in his stride, and his armor's covered, colored like Boba Fett. Yeah. And then it, you know it just kind of changes, and then finally yeah. at the end. Well, it's really cool because you the um, finale you have him with his armor that you see in episode two. Right. So you've got in the very first uh, page, you've got what we know from um, what we know from. Attack of the Clones is Dooku's ship, that one that has the crazy yeah, the sailboat. Solar sailor. Yeah. So he's going down someplace, and, uh, dude, it's wild. He's in some crazy uh, temple or something. And uh, I guess this is where Darth Sidious, this is Darth Sidious's house. It doesn't say where it is. But he's going to see Darth Sidious, and there's like a freaking crazy monster that's trying to kill Dooku on his way in. Imagine having to cut that thing's arm off every time you go to visit your boss. It's like, I'm already going to get chewed out when I get there. I don't want to count Dooku, so you don't really care. Yeah. Because it's a minor nuisance at most. Um, so you've got Sidious talking to him, and he's talking about they need to create the clone army. So this is years and years before Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. This is probably during Phantom Menace. Um, and so basically he's talking about... I need you to oversee the creation of this clone army. Mm -hmm. And um, and so he says, uh, Count Dooku says, I sense the victor will be a bounty hunter named Jango Fett. And so it's interesting because he says the 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 galaxy's most dangerous uh, bounty hunters have been pitted against one another. And you don't really see that part very much. Um, you just kind of get his backstory. Yeah, I think they wanted to give some weight to the trial period that Jango will have won, but they wanted to mostly focus on how Jango was created. Yeah. I love this art style, too. Like, when I was a kid and I used to draw Mandalorians, like, this is kind of the art style that I would go for. Um, and so, he's... From the very beginning, he's kind of uh, showing you, like, what he his backstory is. And it's interesting because you see Jango Fett walking through a field on Concord Dawn, which uh, is canonized through Clone Wars and um, it's interesting because as Jango Fett's walking through this field he looks like young Boba Fett mm -hmm. and Jango Fett's dad looks a lot like older Jango Fett yeah. and so um, basically which makes sense right um, basically this guy dies um, his his dad dies by the hand of a man named Vizsla so whenever yeah, this is kind of the inspiration 
for pre pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars arc. Yeah. So when the Clone Wars came out and I was watching that for the first time, I was like, oh, this scumbag. I knew he was bad news from the second he, you know, his name was Vizsla. Mm-hmm. So it's it's funny because as soon as it was like, hello, this is our so-and-so pre Vizsla. Even though, like, you kind of know he's going to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. As soon as they said that, I was like, this guy's trash. Don't trust him. Um, but it's cool. So... Uh, they end up killing Django's dad, and Django is uh, is saved by a man named Jaster Mareel. Um And Jast- Jaster is the leader of the Mandalorians. So, and contrary to the fact that his name is just slightly removed from Jester, this guy does not joke around. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Blaster. Jaster Blaster. Yeah, he takes more after the Blaster part than uh, For the sure. Jester part. Um, so, in in this old school story, the Mandalorian and Death Watch line is much blurrier in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. where it's like, they're a radical group, but we don't know who they are. It's kind of like they're... And in the Clone Wars, it's like a sleeper cell, where it's like, we right. don't know who they are in society. But and in the, the comic, Death Watch, it's I like... Think more strongly uh, aligns themselves with the Mandalorians in their own minds. Like, they've never... They've never they left that never mindset. Said for themselves, we're no longer Mandalorians. Right. They are. They're basically like purists. Like this is what we used to do. This mm-hmm. is what we should still be doing. And so, um, but in this comic book, the Death Watch are, as you noticed, called ex Mandalorians. Right. They, they've yeah. been excommunicated. Yeah. Because Jester specifically calls them ex Mandalorians. So that I mean, even though we've kind of seen it in now the Mandalorian series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the line is still a little blurry on what exactly defines a Mandalorian. So right. it's kind of cool to see. Well, it's that ex- even back in two thousand two, uh-huh. it was idealized as more of a creed. You know, like more yeah. of a. It's a belief system. It's more of a societal thing than it is right. A race well, thing. in the in the uh, in the old school legends material, the Mandalorians started as a species. Mm-hmm. There was a species, and they weren't humans. They were right. a weird. They kind of look like Alien from Alien versus Predator. It kind of reminds me. Or not of Alien. I'm sorry, Predator. How Sith were a species. Yeah, first. yeah. They kind of look like the Predator. Um, and so, oh, they're called like the Grohl or I can't remember. I don't know. You could look it up, I guess. But, um. Got another confession to me. There's, yeah. I got another confession to make. Please stop yelling. (laughs) So, um, as time goes on, the Mandalorians become kind of a belief system or a way of life. So that's kind of the same through canon and legends, especially what we know from the Mandalorian. But that always kind of made me and you think... Okay, so if Mandalorians... You mean the Tong? The Tong, that's it, yeah. Uh, very very much look like the Predator, right? Yeah. They got like the head tail looking things. So it's weird because in in Clone Wars, they're like, well, I fought a Mandalorian named Jango Fett, Obi-Wan says. Mm-hmm. And Prime Minister Almec is like, no, 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 that's just guy. That's just a thug in Mandalorian armor. We wouldn't own that or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, he, he definitely distances himself... And so it's like, well, pretty, I don't know. It's kind of weird. politician thing to do. Yeah, for sure. And that's why he's doing it. And I think it's so silly because Prime Minister Almec is obviously a snake in the grass. But Fett haters are like, Saint don't you think we're Mandalorians? And I was like, oh, yeah, because Almec said so, you idiot. Like, he's obviously not a trustworthy dude. Um, but the whole time we've been thinking to ourselves, like, so what is a Mandalorian then? Mm-hmm. And and then again, towards the end of season one of The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus. He says it's not a race, it's a creed. Mm-hmm. So to me, 
Django and Boba are back in the fold, in yeah. my opinion. Do you, what do you think? I think Django more so than Boba, at least from what I've seen of Boba's canon story. Right. Um, well, just yeah. Just because Django, at but least it, from... Because we never get a replacement story for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is pretty much, to my knowledge, all we have. And Django was clearly adopted into the Mandalorians. Right. You know, the leader of his little faction says, welcome to the Mandalorians at the end of it. So that's as much welcome into it as anything in my mind. Right. Um, yeah, that moment is and the I same. I suppose because, you know, Django viewed Boba as his son, even though in this comic it says uh, he wants somebody to be Jaster's legacy, which I thought was kind of a cool way of looking at it. Like you just wanted to carry on that legacy. Yeah. Well, I think that... I think that um, Django is Jaster's legacy, but he knows he won't be around forever. Mm -hmm. And so Jaster kind of becomes... It's very like this old school Legends material uh, is so much more in line with the Mandalorian than I think the way that Clone Wars shows Mandalorians are. I don't know. It's weird. Depending on which Mandalorian culture you want to pick up on. The good one? <laughs> the old school one? It, to me, it's like the, um, you've got Jaster who just adopts this kid out of nowhere and is like, you're with me, I'm going to protect you. Mm-hmm. That is very much how Din Djarin was adopted into the Mandalorians, ironically into the Death Watch, which is the bad guys in this book. Um, and kind of the bad guys in Clone Wars too. Yeah. But like we've said in the past, it is... It's blurry. It's blurry. It kind of shows the the good side of the Death Watch just as we see the bad side of the Rebellion in, in Rogue One. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's not... It's kind of interesting because I, as cut and dry as I want it to be, I like the real world feel of mm-hmm. not everything is so cut and dry. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Um, I remember the first time that I met someone who was like ex-military and I was like, what was it like? And he was like, it was hell. And I was like, what? Yeah, because I just expected it to be like a, a movie where it was like I loved every second of a killing Nazis, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like you have to do some crazy crap. You have to do some things that you're not necessarily okay with, mm-hmm. like very Cassian Andor from the beginning of Rogue One. Right. Um, so by the end of the first section, by the end of the summer comic, um, you know the guy that that is attacking Django is killed, and Jaster asked uh, Django Fett. Do you feel any better? And Django says, "No, I don't know, not yet." And Jaster says, "Good, welcome to the Mandalorians." Yeah, that's pretty cool. Very another cool, very Mandalorian yeah. and the child relationship going on there. Another cool, a little cool. more sentience and grown upness from Django here because the child's still a baby, basically. Yeah. What were we gonna say? Another cool quote from that particular comic is when Dooku is giving. Sidious, some of Django's backstory, telling him that he's an orphan, and Sidious says the most dangerous men are always orphans. Yeah. Which is an obvious allusion to Anakin as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. And yeah. himself, it, how much you take Plagueis into account, because Palpatine orphaned himself, killing his parents. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. I've got to reread Plagueis so we can do an episode. It's a good book. Um, okay, so a nice uh, book. into part oh, it's a nice book. Into um, part two, you're ten years before the Battle of Geonosis, so exactly towards the end of um, Phantom Menace, because there's ten years between episodes one and two of Star Wars. Um, and he's got, he's taking this guy captive that was uh, 
was um, his name Silas. Oh crap! I can't remember his name. Pretty sure it's yeah, Silas. Yeah. Dang, he looks like crap. Well, he's just been tortured. Right. Uh, so yeah, you've got um, Django's armor right here is super sick. It's green, and he's got the pistols, you know, double holsters still, but he's got a just like a red um, circle over his green chest plate super sick and then um they're doing basically um they're doing uh yeah, very a, a get together very rebellion-esque yeah. death star plans type of thing and you have Django sitting or standing alongside jaster mareel and a character named montross and montross is kind of a son of a gun because uh, he's actually a double agent and so uh, as you read on in this section um, there's stuff that's going bad, and as you pointed out, it's really cool because their Mandalorian warships that they're loading into yeah, they're look very, a lot like Slave One. Yeah, very clearly precursors to Slave One. I think that's very cool. Um, which in now canon material, Slave One was like stolen from some guy somewhere, but it's, I like this backstory better. And it's kind of a cool well, uh, thing because without the wings and with the solid brown look, it's a pretty cool bridge between prequel era slave one and old school like you know old republic looking stuff mm -hmm. you know because uh the the mandalorians used to have a war vessel called the the basilisk mm -hmm. um and it was super cool and so um they're on this plate I, I don't really know what they're fighting for but they're fighting these crazy ape looking things i mean they're just they fight for money. they're just fighting for fights yeah. and so they're going and uh, it's just kind of showing some cool Mandalorian action. Also, if we could get, um, if this was back in the day when Hasbro was just putting out all kinds of crazy aliens, it would be sick to, to get some of these King Kong-looking ape characters. Um, but it's basically kind of showing Jango growing up. This is his first, um, this is his first leadership role where he's leading his, a squad into his battle. First mission with his own squad. Um, so he's right there with Jaster. They're they're walking through the forest, and uh, basically by the by the end here, you find out that the Death Watch is is working alongside these these apes, um, and Montross um, basically turns on Jaster here, um, and kind of lets him. Vizsla kills him, but Montross is like. Um, he's not really worried about staying with the group at all. Um, I think he started as a good guy, but it was just kind of like... He's clearly... He wanted to lead. He didn't trust Django's leadership. Yeah, he's clearly angry about the relationship that Django and Jaster have. He feels like he's the odd man out. Yeah. You know, he says in that particular comic, it's a shame that... Jaster views you as his son, or he that he forgets you're not really his son because it's going to cloud his judgment. Mm -hmm. You know he's he's definitely bitter about their connection, and he feels like it's going to give Django kind of a one up over him. I guess he feels that Django will have taken his role without having properly earned it. Right, and it's really sad because as Dooku is interrogating this guy Silas. Um, He's like, he says, that's the truth. And he says, I believe you. Uh, the rest of your visit will be painless. And like Silas is sweating and all this kind of stuff. He just looks like trash. 
Um, it's cool that he has the mythosaur tattoo on his shoulder there. Mm. Um, and he says, the last thing he says is, please don't tell Django. Yeah, he knows he's going to die. It's just really sad. He's about to die, and he just doesn't want Django to know that he betrayed him. Yeah. Like, super skinny. He's obviously been starved and tortured. Yeah, he's, he's broken hair's mentally and trashed. And um, he's already going to die. Like, Dooku tells these torture droids stop his heart. And you see the dadgum needle. Like, he's about to get that mm -hmm. lethal injection. And he says, don't tell Django. And then Dooku, hard as all get out, says, I can't make any promises. Yeah, he's always hard as nails. Jeez. Who hurt you? <laughs> um, why don't you take the second half and kind of walk us through? Sure, 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 sure. So, so we see, this is the first time we see Dooku actually about to meet Jango, as far as I know. Um, this is still 10 years before Battle of Geonosis. You see Dooku, he's kind of, it looks, I don't know. I don't think this is his castle on Sereno. It looks more like a... More like a sanctum. It's got like collectibles from. It's got a heavy bottom. It's got collectibles from different places. Yeah. There's skulls. It definitely reminds me of Dryden Voss's ship. Yeah. In Solo. Or uh, if you've played the first, The Force Unleashed, the commander in Kashyyyk, he's got his hunting room. And he's talking to Sidious about Django and. Uh, Basically, now Dooku's giving Sidious his account of what of, happened on Galadron. Happened on Galadron. Galadron. So there's a face-off right here between the Mandalorians and the Jedi. Yeah. So uh, something that Dooku says about Jango is Sidious says, "How could one man kill so many Jedi?" And Dooku says, "With his bare hands." Which yeah, go. I. I don't know if I'm a, I, I'm a fan of it because it's Django, but... I, I like that he's so powerful, but after having read so much, especially printed material about Jedi, I just don't understand how any hand-to-hand -hand combatant could best a Jedi. Yeah, well, you're getting... I don't know, it's weird. You're getting just into that... Their speed and reflexes are augmented by the Force. I just don't see any... I just don't see any competition there. Yeah. Well, in the same way, though, I just now knowing as much as I know about Qui Gon, I don't see a world where Darth Maul can beat him in a fight. As the as young as Maul was, and as experienced as Qui Gon was, and I know Qui Gon yeah, wasn't know, like a fighty fighty yeah, guy. Qui Gon just wasn't a fighter. I think, I think Maul was just a better martial artist. You know what I mean? Maybe. I did read something recently. Dooku says about Qui Gon. It's either I've been reading both of these books here lately, so they're kind of blurry in my mind as far as which one's which, because uh, I've done Dooku and Dooku and Master and Apprentice. Mm -hmm. I think it's Master and Apprentice, but uh, very well maybe Dooku. Anyway, Dooku says of Qui Gon that he has an understanding and connection to the living force that may one day mas rival Master Yoda, which just kind of shows where. Which, at the end of the day, Qui-Gon passes up Yoda, if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, he definitely gets... I guess that's what the cosmic the force... I think so, but it was his awareness of the living force. You know what I mean? He wasn't... He, does he wasn't mind so lofty in his ideology and the way that the Jedi kind of get so wrapped up in their own theories and how they feel mm -hmm. like it should be, you know, yeah. that they kind of reject what it actually is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyway, so in the third comic, 
we see that Django has indeed changed his armor to keep up with the latest fashion trends. He's now rocking a silver with maroon accents. I think he's kind of doing that for Jaster, too. Uh, perhaps. 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 He's got kind of a blue steel-looking thing. And so, he, again, we're on a completely different mission. Uh, Django, it seems, knows he's been double-crossed, but he carried out the mission anyway. And he knows mm. that this governor is hiding Visla, who as we saw in the last piece, was not actually dead as we thought at the beginning of the first one. Right. Uh, so this is turning out to be Django's kind of lifelong villain. He's killed his actual dad. He's killed his uh, adopted Foster. father. Yeah. And so uh, basically Visla has run this fake mission again. He's you know working hand-in-hand hand with whoever will have given Django's information, trying to kill him, trying to wipe out the Mandalorians, get his revenge. This time... Because he had a powerful third party until he had the Jedi come in. And so basically, he has the governor tell uh, the Jedi that everything that Vizsla's been doing, doing, the Mandalorians did. Right. So you're like, all right, get them, boys. Uh, And one thing that's kind of dark is that Vizsla says, send the Jedi to Jango's camp and tell them that the Mandalorians have been killing women and children too. The governor says, but there's no evidence to support that. Vizsla says, don't worry, we'll create some. Jeez, that's hardcore. Kind of, but it it kind of shows you how it kind of shows you as uh, how afraid Vizsla is of Jango and his regime with the Mandalorians coming for him. And so he shot uh, Jango's jetpack, but Jango now sees that the Jedi ships are coming. He's trying to get in touch with the Mandalorian camp. He's telling him to evac. His colleagues going out, and so he runs there on foot. Just Dude, gets to the hill. if Django could just get some reliable tech... I know, right? Literally the death of him. Every time. I would love to have seen... The tech makes the Mandalorian, man. Think about this. All right, well, I guess we'll get to the end of this, and then I have a question. Um. Anyway, so you see now it's Master Dooku. He's leading the mission against the Mandalorians. Isn't it interesting that at the begin- at the the on the cover of this, I believe that's supposed to be Dooku, and the guy... On the picture has a green lightsaber. No, no, no. Dooku's right here. He's got a blue lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But I'm saying on the on the cover of, if you look at the cover of this comic in the collection, go back. Blah, 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 blah. Not too far. Not too far. It's just like backspace, like your backspace against like bent, 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 bent. Look, bent. that's. I think that's totally supposed to be Dooku, and the guy has a green lightsaber. I don't think so because Dooku definitely at this point did not have white hair. Because even right here... Oh, he here, has brown. Yeah, even right here, he's still got brown hair. So who the crap is that? You know what I think? Here's what it is. I think this is... I think the the cover artist sends in like, hey, here's a cool idea. Yeah, I don't think anybody really cares. Not enough, apparently, for continuity. I don't really even see Dooku in most of this battle. I just see him talking at the top of this hill. Um, But yeah, so the Jedi cut down most of the Mandalorians. Jango kills a bunch of them. I like how Dooku... Is like, you know, Dooku is, he's theatrical, you know? He is, Dooku is Christopher Lee. So he's like, you know, remember in episode two, he's like, Master Windu, you have fought gallantly. Like he even, like, uses big words and all that kind of stuff. He's like, you know, worthy of recognition in the Jedi archives. So he's standing at the top of this hill and he's like, you know, I can't remember what he says, he but says, he's... Mandalorian sign Master Dooku, you stand accused of murder, surrender now, and we will ensure that you are treated fairly. Yeah, and Django says, kill the loudmouth first. <laughs> yeah, he says, Mandalorians <laughs> open fire and shoot the loudmouth first. That was that was pretty ballin'. It was pretty funny. And then, obviously, the Jedi are just 
it's just a warm-up for them deflecting all this blaster fire. And so then Jango says, throw away your blasters, use projectile weapons. That's pretty cool. He's calling those audibles. Obviously, the projectile Watch weapons... Watch those wrist rockets! Yeah, they were no more effective because they can just be augmented with the Force. Uh, you see... But that's the thing with, like, the Jedi from the prequel era is that they're not in their prime. Like, the stuff we're going to read in the High Republic novels that are coming out, I think, is going to be pretty wild. I think that the stuff we see from Luke and Darth Vader and those in the original trilogy, they're getting kind of back to the strong side of the Force. But the Jedi here and into the prequels, I think that maybe because the Sith have been dormant, that their need for sharpness is dormant. Does that make sense? Like, if you're a Jedi, okay? Or I guess you put it this way if you want to put it to sports. If you're a professional athlete and then you go play high school players that are in your sport, you're not going to be ready to then again play professionals. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's kind of like, uh, I always use UFC, but it's kind of like you can be training and training and training and you're still going to have what they call ring rust when you get back into that fight. So I think that one of the reasons that people are able to defeat Jedi in this specific time span of, you know, 20 or 30 years during the prequel era is because they're not having to hone and sharpen their skills because there is a legitimate threat on the other side. There's never been a threat on the other side for a thousand years. Make sense? Right. So anyway. like Luke's having to learn at a rapid pace because he's actually got to fight Vader versus, you know what I'm saying? No. Back to my hunch. Uh, anyway, Jango's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with a bunch of these Jedi. He takes out some, and then he realizes he's outmatched after all his teammates are killed. Yeah. Um, he basically surrenders. Sounds a lot like a COD match. Uh, and then Dooku says that they surrendered him to the governor, uh, and he was a slave. And so Sidious says, how did he escape? And then it's the end of this comic. Part three. He says, I don't know, but I'm about to ask the only person who does, and you see Jango landing. Uh, Snap. On the platform. Hang on. So he's so Django is invited to where Sidious lives. No, this is Dooku's place. Sidious is only a hologram. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, this is what this is the place. I don't think. Dude, it's are Sino, those uh, whenever? But it, it might be whenever um, Dooku's talking to him. All those lightsabers in the background are those Jedi he's killed. You think? Almost certainly. Uh, in the Dark Disciples comic, you hear about uh, oh Cabinet the Dooku's got with his collection God. of. Dude, Dark Disciple, that's a good book. So he has a cabinet of lightsabers? Yeah, it says he's got lightsabers on display of all the Jedi that he's killed. Ugh. Pretty hardcore. Um, anyway, so... Interesting. It, it's cool, though, that he keeps panel. his priorities, because Dooku, I mean, because uh, Grievous, of course, kind of gets overboard with that sort of thing. Yeah. So we got this cool the, opening Yeah, the opening panel, panel right there is yeah, amazing. You can do this, is obviously, Dooku's hand. This is Jango's hand. I don't know if you can see very well, but... You can see that Django's blasters are close to Dooku and Dooku's lightsabers by Django's hand. Obviously an empty gesture on both parts, it turns out, because, as we all know, Dooku has the Force, and Django has magnetic, magnetic gauntlets that yeah. bring his blasters back to his hands. So he pulls his blasters back, and Dooku's like, I don't sense anything in the Force. Which, I this is one of those areas where I wish there had just been a little bit of talking between the teams, because there's a moment there where Django in Episode 2 dives on the floor in the arena on Geonosis for his blaster. Yeah, maybe there was just like a certain range. I don't know. How sick would it have been if he did that? Of course, you don't have time to explain, explain the gauntlets. in the book. I mean, in the movie, still. Yeah. Uh, 
the continuity would have been appreciated. Anyway, so he and Dooku are kind of having this stand down. Dooku's still asking questions. Uh, Jango has poisoned him with a plague that he is inoculated to because it's native to his home planet. Concord Dawn. Concord Dawn. Uh, and so basically this is where the talky talk happens because Jango thinks he's disarmed Dooku essentially. He's mm-hmm. like, I've got the cure. You're going to sit and listen. Yeah. Um, I think he feels willing. It's kind of a catch-22 because Jango really starts to open up because he's like, yeah, I'll probably let him die anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think... When Django, you're dying or when the person in the room with you is going to die, you can say whatever you want to say. I think Django just knows enough about Dooku to know that Dooku is a double-crosser and he can't for be sure. trusted. So for I don't sure. think Django would open up at all if he thinks that there's still a chance that Dooku still has the upper hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a that's what I'm saying. It's a catch-22 because later on you find out... Yeah, we all know that it's an empty gesture, but Django has no idea that Dooku could just heal himself with the Force. Yeah. Um, Which I think is very interesting. Yeah. It's the only time I've seen something like that outside of... Darth Bane? Or, uh, yeah, Darth Bane's Path of Destruction. I think there's something about... But when he gets poisoned... There's a second poison. That's why he was having trouble. He cured the first poison. That's right. You're right, you're right, you're right. And he goes to Caleb. Yeah. Anyway, so it talks about how Jingo was a slave on a spice runner for a number of years, and then he makes his escape. Yeah, they just, like, glance over that. Like, that would be hell on earth, or wherever, whatever planet. <laughs> yeah, that's just not the part they want to focus on again. Right. So now we see Jingo. he's finally in his full armor. Apparently it's a set of armor that the governor he was enslaved to had, had restored, kind of as a, as a trophy piece. Right. Um, and this is, you know, the, the nice, fancy-schmancy, like, top-of-the-line suit of Mandalorian armor. Which turns out it really isn't, because it was, like, some... Durasteel. Durasteel alloy, and it's not Beskar, but whatever, we won't get too deep into that. Anyway. I'm sure when this book was written, it was the nicest thing that they had available, and they've retrofitted it to be best, or to be Durasteel. Yeah. And so, you see Jango now with his new set of armor makes an attack on Visla's ship. Um... He blasts through the window. I think it's pretty cool that he was flying free in space. I don't think we've ever seen see. a Mandalorian do that. He's not inside a ship. He's just flying out in oh, space. Oh, yeah. That is pretty dope. We won't get into the space physics and why he would have frozen to death because that uh, nice windbreaker on his arm obviously wouldn't protect him from the cold, but uh, <laughs> we'll keep going. And then, as just I pointed out, a cool little comic strip of... Django doing yeah it's a it's a roll sequence where there's an explosion and he's rolling he's like jumping and rolling out of that room into a crouch impact but you can see like this is but it's cool because like yeah the colors they use there in that comic it's like a lighter not see-through but you can tell it's kind of like if you were seeing a ghost yeah and it's 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 cool it shows the motion yeah uh and so he and Vistler having a fight to the death it's just Kind of going, you know, one way and then the other. Mm-hmm. It eventually leads into an escape pod. And you got Vizsla looking like Slagar the Cruel with that burn on the side of his face. Yeah. Well, I think that's from the blaster burn uh-huh. where Django thought he had killed him the first time. Now they're on this planet. You know, the fight resumes. Uh, punchy, punchy, kicky, kicky. Uh, I throw you <laughs> over the cliff. You get me with the grapple. You, you remind me, me of uh, the guy that used to be on UFC, Mike Greenberg. Um, he would be Joe Rogan's like, wow, look at that arm triangle. Like he's saying like terminology. Mm-hmm. And then Mike would say something or Mike Goldberg, maybe I can't remember. It's a color Berg anyways. And he'd be like, 
he's choking him, Joe. Like, it's just, it's funny because he would say, like, the obvious. They're really hitting each other, Joe. Yeah. And so, uh, apparently, stick beats helmet because Visla whacks some nice, nice wooden stick. Helmet comes off the head. Now That's Jing, funny. Now Jingo's bleeding. Punch on the jaw. He's got some nice stubble going. And Jingo's got the uh, cool, the thing he uses on Kamido to stop himself yeah. from falling down he the cuts, ramp. He cuts Visla open after Visla's poisoned him. Um, but then there are these nice saber-tooth cats on this particular planet. Oh, dude. Perfect. I think this is Corellia. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And so... How do you know? Because it says Corellia. Oh. On the opening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have mentioned that before you said, I think it's Corellia. Well, I do think it's Corellia. Well, I was impressed. I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah, Corellia. Well, you, you impressed me because I was like, oh, what are the context clues? The context <laughs> clue was facts. That's as, as they often are for me. Um, but yeah, so he's Visla's bleeding. Uh, Josiah's mask kills Visla. Just wait. And they avoid Django because he's poisoned. And then that takes us to present day. Now All right, Django, what were you saying? And now Django is uh, talking to Dooku. Can you see me? Dooku saying, hey, I, you know, it's been a long time since I've used the Living Force to restore my body to full health but not too long but not too long Django uh, and then now Django's like now i'm impressed and essentially Django makes his final request he wants a clone no growth acceleration no behavior modification no tampering dooku says i didn't think you were the sentimental type Django. you want a son and he says no an apprentice he'll become jaster's legacy and then the deal is struck and the ultimate clone is born the ultimate clone that ends up being the ultimate bounty hunter the greatest of all time would wax the floor with the Mandalorian, Boba Fett. Here, here, folks, folks. Yep, uh, Sabretooths, responsible for killing Visla and Carol Baskin's husband. So here was my question from earlier. Um, okay, so all things considered, if all of this technology works, jetpack, all that stuff. like this. This is, is worse this, somehow. Is this better? I'm being born. <laughs> Gross. I'm like Ace Ventura. <laughs> okay. So, if his jetpack works, his flamethrower works, like... Just... I still don't think he stands a chance against Windu. Okay, how much longer would he last, like though? Like 30 seconds tops. Do you think he just escapes? I think Windu pulls him to him with the force and then cuts his head off. We're talking about Mace Windu here. I know, I know. I just, I don't like that he died on a technicality. Yeah, but he would have died anyway, so yeah. I don't see what the difference is. Well, the difference is one's a technicality. Either way, Boba Fett's taking his dad home in a helmet oh, on my. Take Your Son to Work Day. <laughs> have you seen that meme where he's like holds up the helmet and the head drops out? Yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's just moment. wrong. You guys are wrong for that. But, yeah, I think that the, the backstory to, to Django Fett is, is super important. And now that I'm thinking about it, dude, there's 10 years. If they're going to do some animation stuff, you know, Clone Wars style stuff, how awesome would the 10 years between um, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones be? You could do so much stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could. I would, I would love to see, um, you know, there's that Age of Republic comic series that they've been doing where it's like um here's what's going on with Django Fett before Attack of the Clones here's what's going on with 
Qui-Gon Jinn before, yeah. you know, before that. Like, there's all kinds of comics we, and also... We've kind of gotten fillers on Qui-Gon. You know what I mean? There's right, right, right. A lot of stuff well, that's missing, what I'm saying is that um, it would be cool to see like Anakin's early training. Yeah, like I would love to see what some. What happened on Kato Nemoidia? Yeah, I'd love to see stuff I guess on. That was still between two and that's three. That's between but... two and three. I would love to see. Um, yeah, I would love to see. It doesn't matter because it doesn't. Doesn't count. There's so much stuff. Like, what, what are Anakin and Obi Wan up to? What's Jango right. Fett up to? What's Count Dooku doing? Anakin's still seething about Padme for ten years. Yeah, Truth there's there's material. There's there's two or three seasons of material, no problem. Yeah. You know? Especially Jango Fett. If there's seven seasons of material between two and three... Right. There's... Oh, the man. main thing is, I get that there's there not a... There ten seasons. There's not a war going on. What season per year? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying, is there's not a it's war... still a galaxy in unrest. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, we've already had the blockade on Naboo. Things are already starting to happen. Things are getting spicy. Yeah. Um... What else I'll could you see? I'll always watch some more Newt Gunray. Some more Newt Gunray. Or, you know who? Jar Jar. Jar Jar can die. <laughs> uh, the only thing I lament about episode three was never getting to see Jar Jar die. He didn't die. He's alive. He's alive after episode six. Shut your mouth. He is. He's a clown. No. Remember? It's canon. He's alive. Oh, yeah. He's alive on Naboo. Yeah, good thing none of the adults like him, only the kids. Yeah, very fitting. But the kids are the future. Dude, what if he's like, <laughs> we have How, to? What is the lifespan of a Gungan? I don't know. Look it up. Look it up, Jamie. Um, dude, there's. What if they're like, we got to get back to our roots. We fell apart from who we are in the New Republic. Our new Chancellor, New Republic 2.0, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> it says uh, the lifespan of a Gungan is approximately sixty-five years. Oh man. Well, how old is he in The Phantom Menace? <laughs> this just... Look it up, Jamie. How old, is, how old is Jar Jar? Dude, this just turned into a Jar Jar episode real quick. Uh, it says... No, that's not the question. <laughs> well, Luke and I are 18 to 20 years old. Okay, Jar Jar, though. How old yeah, is remember Jar when Jar? you asked Siri and you're like, Hey, Siri, what's this? And he's like, I found this. He's like, I didn't ask what you found. Oops. Was it you or me? Wasn't me. I have that turned off on my phone. Was it him? Oh, it was me. Strange. It doesn't say. It doesn't it say. It doesn't say. Well, let's say let's. Okay, even if he was twenty, in the Phantom Menace, he'd be thirty by Attack of the Clones. He'd be fifty by. 55 by All right, hold on. A I New Hope. Found a... So he, they said 65 years? So it says he's approximately 20 in episode one. I found a timetable. Okay, there you go. So if he's 20, that means he's 30 by episode two. That means so he's in episode, 33 by episode three. In that episode means he's 53. Six, that makes him 56. 56. Yeah, dang. Better turn the Jedi. So, so he's, he's definitely he's dead, dead by Force Awakens. years. By the Force Awakens. Dad, gum it. Thank God. Finally. Unless. No. He's a Sith Lord. And he's he's not a Sith Lord. <laughs> Shut up. I'm so sick of that. He's unlocked the keys to eternal life. <laughs> we need to do a Jar Jar episode so we can talk about how much you hate him and how much I love him. That would be a great episode. 
I talked to him about it earlier this week, and he's not. He doesn't want to do it. It'd be fun. We'll do it. We'll make it happen. <laughs> all right. Tune in next week to hear all about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the background. The on... word I'm looking for. I can't, I can't say. say. Is there a prequel? Preschool toys present. Prequel toys present. Eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, there's not really a backstory so far that's very in depth about Jango Fett in the canon. Um, I would love to see. I want to know, and you know, I don't want the Mandalorian to backtrack and talk about Jango. I get that it's about Din Djarin and I like that. And I like that it's about the child and all that stuff. But I would like to know, like, what's in here that we can't just make canon? You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's some things. But I would like to know his backstory, and I think that Django and Boba both, maybe Django more than Boba, gets kind of a bad rap in the Mandalorian way of things. Um, but I think that he could definitely, I think he should be brought back into the fold. I think at the end of the day, um, from what we know of him, he was a, a great dad, and he um, was proud of what he did. He wasn't, I don't think that he was inherently evil like the Dooku's and Palpatine's of the world, and I think he gets a bad rap because I don't necessarily think Dooku was inherently evil. Oh, hot take. After all the reading I've done about him, you think that he was just misguided? I think that he he was, was definitely groomed. He was polluted by the fallacies of the Jedi because there were certain things that he was jaded towards that were relevant, that were true. You know what I mean? That's what's so sad about Dooku's life. Again, going back to yeah, our tragedy of Darth, it is a tragedy. Dooku is that a lot of the things that he felt disenfranchised about were legitimate concerns. Like, in this comic, his fight against the Mandalorians, he said that was one of the one of the many mistakes of the Jedi Council. Dooku, in his Jedi Prime, would have gotten along with Luke Skywalker in his Jedi Prime. Perhaps. Perhaps. Does, does it make sense, though? Because yeah, Luke see, has the hindsight... Of learning from Obi-Wan and Yoda and his dad. Right, and where the Jedi had gone wrong. And I think that the stuff that he saw that was wrong were some of the things that Dooku and Qui-Gon didn't agree with. And then, in episode two, you have Dooku saying, I wish Qui-Gon was here right now, I could use his guidance. And Obi-Wan says, I don't think that he would have joined the Separatists, and I definitely don't think he would have gone dark side. But I do wonder... I do wonder... If Qui-Gon could have pulled Dooku back a little bit? Probably not. No, I don't think so. Dooku was never one to be swayed by familial relations. Yeah, he I did think have that, his own sister killed. I think that Dooku I think that Dooku was pulled to the dark because there was someone there that was so much more powerful right. who had answers that towards, nobody towards else had. The end, it was all about the power. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, it started rough. But there you go. The history of Jango Fett before Attack of the Clones and Legends. But again, you can laugh both. In, in my mind, that's the real story until they give me something else. Right. And so, you can't tell me any otherwise. And so, that's it for this week's episode. So, may the Force be with you. And you know who was the ultimate Sith oh. Lord? Was Palpatine. And you know what Palpatine had to say? The only family you have here is me. See you next week.